0: Today's episode is brought to you by Slayhouse Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios. It is December 1995. You watched the last school bus depart from the school, the breath slowly flowing through your nose as you stifle the sigh you feel in your breast. There's nobody left but the school's staff, and you knew. You should have just taken the bus today. Mom promised. But you've learned that mom's promises are many and unreliable. You turn back to the school and make your way into the library as the wind picks up to strike through your jacket. Inside, it's at least dry and warm. And Mr. Richardson looks up from his catalog as you walk through the door.
1: Oh no, your mom late again?
0: Richard... (laughs) Richardson puts his catalog down and frowns over his bifocals. You nod solemnly and sink into one of the low chairs. He shakes his head.
1: I'm sure it's something important, champ.
0: You look in his direction briefly. Cautionary look. Now isn't the day for Mr. Richardson's well-meaning pity. You pull out a wrinkled copy of Dark Horse's Tales of the Jedi number 5, featuring the saga of Nomi Sunrider. It came out last year, but it's still one of your favorites. You wonder how you'll ever replace the issue number four that Steve Harris flushed down the toilet last week. Maybe you should stop bringing them to school, but you don't have enough room for a book and mom's so often late to pick you up. Mr. Richardson gives you a little space until you hear a stage whisper.
1: Hey, I got something to show
0: you. You look over at Mr. Richardson with suspicion. Steve Harris got you last week with his injured bird prank. But Mr. Richardson's a grown-up and his hands aren't anywhere near his pants. You figure it's worth listening to. He gestures for you to come over to the stacks. Pulls down a book and hands it to you.
1: I had to fight a little with the school board, but I think I can get more of them.
0: It's a copy of Star Wars, Tales from the Most Icely Cantina. A short story collection you haven't had the money for this summer. The breath flies out of your lungs in one great burst. Whoa! Mister Richardson gives you one of his trademark lopsided smiles. I thought you
1: might like it. The school board doesn't like all these licensed junk, but I think I've convinced them the kids aren't reading the old classes, classics like they used to. This one had some pretty cool, uh, pretty good stories in it too.
0: No way. You can't believe somebody at school would be that cool. And this collection is amazing. It has stories by Kathy Tyres and Tom Vache. He wrote Nomi Sunrider and Timothy Zahn and Barbara Hambly, although you didn't really understand that book. You can't believe you're actually holding it. It's cover glossy with the plastic cover Mr. Richardson puts on all the books. Mr. Richardson lets you marvel at it for a moment. You want to check it out? You look up at him. Cross or crouched over your glasses. Crouched over your glasses? That's not right. You look up at him, <laughs> crouched over you with his glasses, almost slipping off his big nose. His breath smells like the color of his mustache. You mean I can?
1: Sure, why not? You'll have to tell me what you think, and maybe later this week you can help me figure out what to order next.
0: He stands up to tap the shelf he pulled it from.
1: It's kind of empty without a full collection, I think.
0: For a moment, you really don't know what to say. Your palms feel sweaty and you almost feel guilty about taking such a nice book home. What if Steve Harris gets to your backpack again? What if Mr. Richardson never lets you check out another one? But It doesn't seem to matter, and before you know it, you have a little slip that's stamped with the book's due date. You barely have time to get it in your backpack before Mom stumbles through the door, pale and sweaty. The bags under her eyes look darker than normal. There you are. I'm sorry about being late. You aren't bothering. Mr. Richardson stands up and interrupts.
1: He's no bother, really. We were just talking about books.
0: You give Mr. Richardson another grateful smile. Mom tucks a greasy lock of hair behind her ear. The silence pulls taut for a few heartbeats before Mom relents. Right, yeah, sorry. Come on, we have places to be. You wave goodbye to Mr. Richardson, who waves politely back. As you wander down the hallway toward Mom's old jalopy, you reflect that maybe you wouldn't mind if she were late again next week.
2: It's Star Wars Update 1996!
1: We are in a sweaty box
0: again. Oh my God, it's so sweaty in here. It's, I'm dying.
1: I am. You were talking like your palms are sweaty in this little story, this little intro. And I'm like, man, my palms are sweaty. Yeah. Is,
0: not just my palms. It's like yeah, everything is sweaty. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, uh, cool. Hey, everybody. It's Jeremy. And with me, as always, is Trevor. And we are back for another episode of Slayhouse Publishing presents Lip Bix and bix lit bix, lit bix. bix. We're we change in- the name every week <laughs> we're getting into the the uh the lighter um company processing now we're <laughs> lit bix <laughs> lit bix
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are uh trevor's right yeah we're talking about star wars um I didn't read. Them. <laughs> Trevor, how many pages of Star Wars have you read it's, recently? It's,
0: well, it's a lot of fucking Star Wars, man. <laughs> uh, I read every book from <laughs> from nineteen ninety five. Uh, amounts to about two thousand nine hundred twenty pages of Star Wars. Uh, I started this journey in like December of last year, and uh, it has taken me until July to actually finish all of these books. Just for 1995. My original goal for 2022 was I'm going to read 95, 96, and 97. And I did 95. It's 10 books, which we're going to talk about all of them today. Oh, God. 10 books. Uh, 1996 turns out 14 books. I I don't know that I'm going to be able to. I certainly cannot do 96 and 97 in the same year. There's yeah. no fucking way. It's insane.
1: <laughs> so why don't we dive right into... Is Star Wars update
0: 1990. Yeah. What is okay. this? 96? This is update 96. Okay. It's, it's – I named them like you name centuries. You know, like the third ah. century is 200s. Right. Right? 96 is obviously everything from 1995 because we're looking at everything from 1995 because we're in 1996 and we're like, oh, what is the state of Star Wars from gotcha. last year? Gotcha. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrible. I named it with the same premise we named this podcast <laughs> – <laughs> Which is just make no goddamn sense and nobody will understand it. That was the that was the thought process. If you
1: can find our podcast, you have to really, really <laughs> want to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like <laughs> it's so hard to find. Like,
1: like remember what Kaylee said she was like she has, she couldn't just do slay house it's like if to say slay house Libbits presents podcast podcast. It's like, so ridiculous.
0: <laughs> it's a wonder we have any oh, audience at all. <laughs>
1: I'll consider changing it <laughs> and a, a year into
0: the- <laughs> we were, yeah, we were, We've been doing this for a year and now, just now, we're like, hey, maybe we should change this. I'm going to get to Star Wars Update like 2004 and be like, maybe we should change Star Wars Update and, like, actually update the year. <laughs> all right. So what do we got? What do we got? Oh, man. We got 10 books. Uh, 10 banger of a book, right? Uh, no, not really. Not all of them are bangers. <laughs> Uh, Let me be real. 95 was a rough year for Star Wars. We're going to talk about my thoughts about the 95 year and just just kind of wrap our head around what was happening with Star Wars and like why all this (laughs) stuff exists. Uh, But, yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot of books, a lot of books uh, to get through. So so we'll jump in. The first one was called Ambush at Corellia. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one is written by Roger McBride Allen. It's the first book of the Corellian Trilogy, and it's the first book that came out um, uh, in in the general audience novels. I've kind of divided the novels up, so we'll talk about the general audience stuff, and then we'll talk about the young or the youth novels um, after we talk about the general audience stuff because there are four different audiences – or, or really like different kind of subsets of the Star Wars audience. And this but, is really
1: before like the, the the young adult kind of section kind of kicked off in marketing. Yeah,
0: right, yeah. exactly. I mean, we're we're mid nineties now. The young adult novels really aren't quite a thing. There's like your junior novels or your youth novels, right? right. And then there's um, you, you know, your general audience stuff. Okay. Right now, currently, you know, we we actually do have YA Star Wars, right? Um, and we have children's Star Wars and we have general audience Star Wars and they are for very distinct audiences. That's not so much the case here, right? right. We see just a, a more of a division of like you got your general audience stuff and you got your junior stuff, right? Right. right. Um, but the junior stuff I think is actually pretty compelling and it, it is a lot more interconnected I think than some of the other books. So that's why I kind of split them up.
1: So, what does the name Corellia sound familiar?
0: All right, Corellia is actually the home planet of Han Solo. That's why <laughs> it sounds familiar. Gotcha. And this, uh, this, this book, this trilogy, the Corellian trilogy, um, was intended to be, you know, kind of like let's flesh out some more of Han Solo's background because prior to this, we did get a Han Solo trilogy, right? But that was out in the seventies. <laughs> It was Which, like seventy nine and eighty, right? Didn't that have like Kip? Uh, no, oh, no, 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 that that was the Jedi Academy tr- trilogy. That's but right, hold on right. to that thought, because <laughs> Kip has not got away. Oh no, we He's, get more Kip. He, we get a lot more <laughs> Kip. Not in this book, though. Um, so in this book, in in ambush at Corellia, right? Han and Leia attend a trade summit on Han's home planet Corellia where a faction of human supremacists (laughs) plot to overthrow Corellia's government and secede from intergalactic politics. Meanwhile, Luke Skywalker helps Lando Calrissian try to bag a wealthy wife. (laughs) This is... Such a bonkers book. And it opens up a trilogy that I think was actually really disappointing. But the book itself is amazing because it's all it's all like I, I love it. It's all like Han, Han and Leia are like, let's go check out my hometown. And Leia's like, let's do it. We'll bring the kids. It'll be a nice family adventure. And as they're heading out, like like the um, the the New Republic's uh, spy agency comes to, to Han and says, like, uh, So, you know, there are some neo-Nazis on your home planet and we want you to infiltrate them and maybe figure out what's going on. Is this on.
1: the one where he has a cousin that looks just like this him? Is,
0: this is the one, right. <laughs> but so he's got a beard, his, right? <laughs> he, yeah, his name is Thracken Sal Solo and he's just Harrison Ford with a beard. <laughs> and so Odd Solo shows up and Thrackens the – he's the, the head of – he's like – He's the head of this neo-Nazi movement (laughs) on Corellia and uh, he's like a human supremacist. He's like, get rid of the fucking aliens and uh, and he's also like an alcoholic or whatever. <laughs> um, and, and the mystery is like, oh, no, like, you, you know, what like, how did they take over this planet? They have uh, access to technology that doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, really what what is going on here and why is everybody such in such a race for their weird like supremacist goals? And um and I think that in itself is really, really interesting because it opens up a, an actual discussion of like, where does racism fit in an intergalactic universe? Like when your neighbors are just. Aliens, right? Like you would think you'd be far more tolerant of one another, far more accepting of one another's cultures. And what this book really says is like, nah, humans are shitty throughout the the cosmos. It really doesn't matter where you are in a galaxy far, far away. Or if you're in, you know, fucking Arkansas, you still find skinheads, right?
1: Just and not in this sweaty little box in Arkansas. Not in
0: the sweaty little – no, no skinheads in this sweaty box anymore. Anyway. Wow, that that's tackling quite a bit. It's great, um, and I really enjoyed the premise that it kind of set up. It it plays with a lot of different ideas, and then the side quest, like Luke and Cal, like Lando. That
1: sounds like like they just watched like the first season of Seinfeld, and were like. Hey, this is this kind of this is kind of working. So we're just going to have Luke and it,
0: it's it's hilarious. So the the whole premise is like Mon Mothma, right? Like the General Mon Mothma uh-huh. comes to Luke because um, Luke's kind of been doing his like I'm a Jedi Master. I'm, I have like a bunch of apprentices and stuff. And she comes to Luke and and she says, you know, I realize that you're really good at the Force and stuff, uh, but you should really be more active in politics because you know. If you're going to be a galactic peacekeeping organization, you need to be involved in politics because whether you plan on it or not, you're going to be a political actor. And so he's kind of like, well, I don't know what to do about it. And she's like, well, your twin sister is a fucking politician. So maybe get it together, Luke. And she says, I happen to have hooked you up on a mission. To help practice your diplomacy skills. And he's like, what's the mission? And she says, you're going to help Lando Calrissian get fucked. (laughs) It's so funny. Because Luke and Lando, like Lando's got like this whole plan. He's like, I'm going to go bag a rich wife. I'm going to use her money to make more money. And like I need to make sure that she's like – old and very rich and maybe leaves me a lot of money afterwards. <laughs> and so Luke and Lando go like palling around and of course everybody knows who Lando Calrissian is, right, in the universe. <laughs> so the first lady that they land with and like who's actually like let's do it, let's get married. Um, the whole time Luke's kind of like this is kind of a little weird. And C-3PO is like like doing his like human-cyborg relations thing where he's trying to figure out who this woman is and what her culture is. And she discovers he's some kind of like she's like a space vampire. <laughs> she's really only interested in Lando because she intends to eat Lando after five years of him being rich. And so like she's like, I thought you understood. Like I thought you you understand. Like this is this is what you're agreeing to. And Lando's like, well, I could be really rich for five years. Uh, He's but, then I, but then, I, Yeah, he, he actually considers it. He's like, I could be really, really rich for five years. Uh, but then I'd have to die because she'd, she'd have to eat me. And Luke is just sitting there like, Lando, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> it's so funny. It's such a wild book. So I had a great time with Ambush at Corellia. Um, I, it was uh, just a ton of fun. If you're looking for some, uh, some weird Star Wars, I feel like, all right, maybe just Ambush at Corellia. Maybe not the whole Corellian trilogy, and we'll get into why in in just a little bit. So the next book in the general audience uh, kind of land or or whatever, the the general audience landscape, was uh, Children of the Jedi. Which and, is
1: interesting because I would think that would go in the children's from the title, like the children's section.
0: Well, one would one would think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, this is actually a general audience novel, and uh, I got to talk about how fucked up this book is, <laughs> um, because whereas the previous book is, you know, it's like goofy and it's kind of fun, and there are some heavy subjects that are actually quite interesting. Uh, this one just is fucking fucked, man. I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Um, it was written by Barbara Hambly. Barbara, Barbara Hambly is actually a pretty celebrated um, science fiction author, mm-hmm. um, and I really want to say I. I actually think that she's better at Star Wars than what this book indicates, because she has a great short story in um, the short story anthology that they put out in Star Wars uh, that we'll talk about just a little bit later, but. Um, for this one, she just, I mean, she really just screws the pooch. It, it's its absolutely terrible. Children of the Jedi. So in this one, uh, Han and Leia uncover the conspiracy of a planet rumored to be the last re- residing place. For so the they're chi- back from Corellia. No, this is different timeline. That's oh, okay. another confusing thing. Is like gotcha. they're at different points in the timeline here. So, gotcha. in in the Corellia one, this is actually several years after Children of the Jedi. For some fucking reason, I don't know. Okay, um, but Children of the Jedi is a bit earlier in the cycle. Um, anyway, so uh, Han and Leia uncover the conspiracy of a, a planet rumored to be the last residing place for the children. Uh, Of the old Jedi Order um, leading to a confrontation with an old ally of the Emperor. Uh, I bet you can't guess who the old ally of the Emperor is. It's an Emperor clone? Uh, No, you would think that. Okay. Also, what the fuck is up with the Emperor clones? They're just everywhere. All right. Anyway, that was in
1: the last Star Wars update. It was like everyone was an emperor. Uh, yeah, clone, everybody
0: like. was an emperor clone. It, 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 <laughs> with a new that's super the, weapon, it was the con- yeah. It, it, that's the comic book thing. The comic book thing is like, here's the emperor with a new clone, and he's got another <laughs> super weapon. It's like, come on, get a different shtick. Uh, no, but but just if you had to guess, what would be the weirdest decision about like an old ally of the emperor that shows up and wants power?
1: Huh. I, I'm, I'm really wrecking my brain. I can't think of one. I, I mean, my mind wants to go to Vader, but I know How Vader's dead. How about the
0: Emperor's professional whore? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even joking. It's, I did not know
1: Palpatine he, had a
0: professional Palpatine whore. Palpatine had – he had concubines. <laughs> It's <laughs> so this book, the ally, the like the enemy, the enemy uh, of this there's an antagonist. Image for you. you don't yeah. want
1: to see picture Palpatine. No, it's, <laughs>
0: it's even it's even crazier because I'm pretty sure she's buried. She's like rolling around with Palpatine's son,
2: like like <laughs> like, like, like
0: for real. I I think this is I think that's the vibe that, that I get. So she's rolling, and and what's unique about Palpatine's son or or you know whoever this kid is that she's like like crawling around crawling around <laughs> with. Um, is that the kid can use the force to affect machinery. Mm-hmm. So, so like, he can do, like, the, the, the mind, the Jedi mind trick thing, but he can do it to droids, which you're not supposed to be able to do, right? Huh. And so that's his unique force gift is, like, he can manipulate machinery
1: through the force. So well, on Earth he just worked for Geek Squad.
0: Yes, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> or, yeah, he works for Best Buy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, meanwhile, Luke Luke Skywalker finds himself trapped on a long-lost superweapon of the Emperor's. Uh, <laughs> Shocked, yeah, right? Yeah. Surprise. Um, but it's inhabited by a hostile AI and the ghost of a long-dead Jedi. Oh,
1: wow. This, now, is this a dead Jedi we've seen before? Or uh, like... No, this oh. is
0: a completely new dead Jedi. Uh, her name is Callista. Okay. I think that's right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Barbara right. Hambly
1: was obviously an alley McBeal fan but yeah so
0: yeah something like that it, it was the <laughs> 90s yeah. right um, yeah so so Callista is uh she's she's this force ghost in what they call the eye of Palpatine which is basically like a giant it's a giant super laser. They're all giant super lasers, right? So Luke finds this giant superlaser out in an asteroid field because I think they're looking for this fabled planet of the Jedi, right? Because mm-hmm. Luke's like, well, if the Jedi had any offspring, mind you, this is before George Lucas is like, the Jedi don't fuck, <laughs> right? right. Um, or, or at least they don't get married, right? They don't have kids. Um, they have strong birth control. That's uh, through the Force, right? They protect. I don't know. Why Why let me talk about <laughs> <I'm> fucking just... <laughs> in Star Wars? Um, no. So, it, like, basically, um, Luke's going out. He's like, I, I, I need to recruit for my new Jedi Academy that I've got. And uh, why don't we look for Force-sensitive kids on, like, this secret planet that allegedly had all of the Force kids? You know, like, where all the Jedi... Ran away after the, they were, you know, hunted down by the emperor. And uh, and so Han and Leia end up on this planet, and and there, there's like some kind of weird monster, like like a a monster fungus or something. I, I don't even know what it is exactly. They find all these people who have been brainwashed, um, but they also run into the Emperor's consort and <laughs> uh, her child, who's force sensitive, and he's trying to summon the Eye of Palpatine so he can blow everybody up. Ah. Uh. Gotcha. And so Luke is trying to figure out how to shut down this Eye of Palpatine thing, and uh, he meets this Force ghost, Callista. And this is, this is, this is, here's some other shit, right? Because he ends (laughs) up like on the Eye of Palpatine. (laughs) I'm just ranting. He ends up on the Eye of Palpatine um, and and he ends up there with, like, a whole bunch of other people who have been kidnapped because the rogue AI just puts them into, like, a weird hypnotism machine and then turns them into, like, stormtroopers, right? And so Luke manages to fight off the indoctrination, but his poor um, sidekicks end up, like, indoctrinated. One of them... (laughs) is uh, a, an apprentice we've never seen before um, who died and was brought back as a droid and no longer has, like, access to the Force. And his <laughs> girlfriend is, like, this hot blonde, and we've never <laughs> seen her before either. But she becomes indoctrinated by the stormtroopers and, and, you know, starts to become evil or whatever. <laughs> so Luke's running around. He's, like, severely injured through this whole thing because... Obviously, Luke Skywalker could just do whatever the fuck he wants. He's so strong in the force. So you have to, like, give him a concussion, right? Right. And then, like, write him out of the story, basically. Because otherwise, there's no conflict. But on this ship, there are a bunch of other aliens that this Eye of Palpatine have just scooped up. And and for some reason or another, obviously, they stopped at Tatooine because they picked up Jawas. They picked up Tusken Raiders. They picked up... Um, <laughs> they picked up, uh, those Gamorrean guards, like the, the, the pig men, uh-huh. right? Yeah, right. That hang out with Java. They pick up like a whole flock of them. And, <laughs> and mind you in, in all of the established canon, right. They don't talk. They only speak in like pig grunts and squeals. Right. And in this book, they fucking talk like they're from the Bronx. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. And, and then the, they also pick up these like flower people who believe they're on Star Trek cool (laughs) yeah so like every time like i'm not even joking luke will just walk into a room with the star people and they're in an episode of star trek (laughs) and and they're like and they're like acting out all of this stuff they're like oh no we're under attack they're attacking us and they're like rocking in their their seats and rolling around it's wild (laughs) And, and the whole time i'm just sitting here like what the fuck is happening (laughs) <laughs> in this goddamn mess of a book. But that's not even the fucked up part, right? Because some of this is like like at least humorous. You know, you see these these aliens who are very obviously acting out an episode, a specific episode of Star Trek. And you're like, uh you know, okay, well at least that at least that's kind of funny. I again, I don't know why the Gamorrean guards just talk like they're from fucking New York City, it's wild, but uh, but whatever. The fucked up stuff is it comes at the end, right where the Eye of Palpatine is about to like blow up this planet because uh, the stupid emperor's son or whatever has lost control of it, mm. and the AI is like ready to blow stuff up. And Callista, you know, is kind of walking through with Luke Skywalker like how to blow it up because Callista uh, died previously, just like trying to make sure that the the Asteroid, the Eye of Palpatine would not blow up anybody else ever again.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So she's so, a recent force. Goes, right. Uh, I
0: mean, not, not, not like twenty years prior, or right? Whatever, right. Yeah. Like at the end of the Clone Wars. Okay, gotcha. Right. Um, yeah. So Luke goes in and he stops the ship or whatever with the help of his Jedi apprentices, uh, but it's clear. To, to him that, um, like, the robot man he came with is just dead. He's just going to die. And the robot man's girlfriend, um, who's been, you know, like, trying to reconnect him to the Force and figure it out, uh, she loses the will to live, too. And so uh, Luke, through the Force, is like, oh, well, you know, uh, kind of sucks that you're dead or dying, hot blonde lady. <laughs> uh by the way, I kinda wanna fuck this force ghost lady. <laughs> Could you maybe die and I'll I'll help Force Ghost Lady move into your body, and then we can have sex. <laughs> and that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, like she she dies. This this other Jedi dies and then the the Force Jedi inhabits her body and then Luke and Callista just get to fucking <laughs> and i'm sitting there like hold the hold on the sexual politics of this are just fucked are you telling me that blonde like like blonde lady has the agency to to be like oh you know what i'm not using my body anymore so like yeah definitely it's so nuts it's so just awful and and the more I think about it, I'm just like, Barbara Hambley. what were you
1: thinking? It's one of two things. It's either necrophilia or rape. And neither exactly. is. Exactly. And neither, and neither of them is becoming of
0: Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> then again, I mean, he did try to help Lando hook up with a vampire. So who are we to judge? Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just can't get it. I, I don't understand it. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, so this is by far – you know how I said like Crystal Star was by far the worst Star Wars I had read mm-hmm. because of like the, uh, the whole like Han's drunk all the time and Luke's, Luke joins a blob cult and yeah, he's just yeah. like fucking eat me and, yeah. and Princess Leia changes her hair color and nobody can recognize her for some fucking reason. <laughs> no. This one's way worse. I thought you couldn't get any lower. See, I was
1: about to say at least Luke didn't join a cult in this one, but apparently that's preferable to whatever happens in Children of the Jedi. It's just awful. uh, (laughs) It
0: it was a low point for 1995 Star Wars. And I can't believe that whoever was sitting around and reading the draft of this book was like, yeah, let's go. Flower Star Trek. Wild. (laughs) So the next book is Assault at Salonia. Uh, This one's also written by Roger McBride Allen. It's the second book of the Corellian Trilogy. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and uh, and this one, uh, the basic premise is: while Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian attempt to make contact with the Corellian system, after the events of the last novel, Han and Leia uncover a terrifying old technology now being used by en- enemies of the New Republic.
1: Another technology.
0: Uh, another technology. Is it, this, is it a laser? No, it's oh. a, it's a giant planetary uh, repulsor beam. Ah. Gotcha. Right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get real nerdy for you, okay, for a sec. The repulsor technology in Star Wars is like super important, right? Like uh, it's what makes spaceships be able to hover in atmosphere, shit like that. Like that's you have the repulsor engines, whatever. Sure. So um, the the central premise is that so the Corellian system uh, is composed of like a number of different. Uh, uh, planets. There's like Corelia, which is uh, Han's home planet, and then there's Salonia, which is this different planet, and then there's like a fucking third planet that I don't remember the name of.
1: Are we sure it's not pronounced Salonia?
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> 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 it is. <a>, it's Kansas. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey guys, the Falcon. we're going to Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> Salonia. Salonia. Uh, this, is a, this is a
0: Salina joke for yeah. those of you listening in Salina, Kansas. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: well. so anyway, uh, and then there's these other two planets that that have like a, a station in the middle of the planets. It's not important it, anyway. <laughs> All of the momentum of the first book with like the neo Nazis and they're you know trying to trying to do stuff. They basically create this giant um, like warp bubble, if you will, uh, using the the planetary repulsors or, so, or something. They, they figure out how to trigger trigger it so that you can't do a hyperdrive jump into the Corellian system.
2: Okay. And this
0: is really important because basically they're, they're, they're just like creating their echo chamber, right? They're, they're like creating a bubble so that nobody can interfere in Corellian politics and they can take over not just gotcha. the world, but like the entire system, the whole system. Right. Gotcha. Uh, but it turns out that the the way they're doing that is through this, this giant uh, repulsor, uh, uh, technology and um, and and this is where things start to fall apart because the focus shifts away from the, the racial disharmony in the Karelian system to whatever this new technology is and and the and the fact that the technology is being used by something else mm-hmm. so it 's not even that that uh, like Thrak and Sal solo. Uh, he's still, haunt, he's yeah, still he's wanted. still here, right? Harrison Ford with a beard. Yeah. It's not even that he is the mastermind behind this whole plot. He's just an opportunist, like gotcha. Who who's looking for one of these world engines so he can do his whatever his shit is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, it was a very disappointing book um, full of a lot of like like technical intrigue, which I just did not find interesting at
1: all. Well, Weren't you saying, too, that it kind of undid some of the buildup of the first book, like the, some of the promise of it the first really book, did, like digging because, into those politics?
0: the promise was like we're going to interrogate what happens when a neo-Nazi faction shows up in Star Wars and wants to take over where the Empire left off, right? Because mm, yeah. these guys are not just uh, the Empire, right? <laughs> these are like the Empire 2.0. And I I thought that was really really intriguing, like the idea that you can defeat the empire, but how do you defeat an ideology? Yeah. And unfortunately, this book is not interested in that question. And I, I think that's super disappointing because the first book was interested in that question, and then this second book is just like, all right, I wonder why they're pushing that. pushing buttons. I don't know. Uh, my theory is that. <clears throat> the pitch for this book was like i'm going to have a trilogy of of you know stories or whatever because star wars was all about like we're building trilogies right like right. like multiple books in a series sell books so You need to write things as a trilogy. And Lucas
1: at this time would have been really gearing up for that prequel.
0: Well, and this is what's interesting about 95, right? Because Lucas was working toward a prequel. But really, since the 1980s, Star Wars had been just, I mean, done, right? Nobody had any new Star Wars This is anything. right before
1: he re-released the, the special editions, right? Exactly. The special
0: yeah. editions came out in 97. Yeah. And so he was kind of <clears throat> we're like trying this as the, the literary experiment in 91 with Timothy Zahn, right? Right. Um, and these the, that trilogy to kind of launch a new era for Star Wars. So the books, all of them, were intended to be like these big blockbuster releases and it was going to revitalize interest in Star Wars because the interest in Star Wars had never gone away. Gotcha. Um, but but they were trying to kind of test the waters. Ninety six is a really interesting year, and we'll get to it whenever I actually read <laughs> the fourteen goddamn novels that make up the ninety six. Year. Two years from now, <laughs> in two years, we'll talk about these books. Um, but but no, I like really. I think it's. Um, it's interesting because they're trying, I think, to generate just content, right? Gotcha. And um, and for whatever reason, like like Barbara Hambley's book, Children of the Jedi, I think was was behind the scenes intended to be a trilogy, um, but never really quite coalesced as a trilogy. Um, anyway, uh, this second book, I, I think, just wasn't very interesting, and I think it's because um, I, I, I think it's because it was kind of forced to be a trilogy and maybe um, Roger McBride-Allen um just wasn't so interested in in crafting an entire trilogy and so he padded things out and so we get a really interesting first novel and a and a bummer of a second novel okay okay so the next book in our in our little lineup is uh Tales from the Most Icy Cantina
1: Would you it's, say this one was your favorite Uh
0: no <laughs> actually it wasn't my favorite um we'll, we'll get to my favorite a little later okay but it, it's kind of my second favorite um, this one was a, a collection of short stories. This is the first kind of short fiction uh, anthology of Star Wars, and um, it was uh, edited by Kevin J. Anderson. But it contains stories of just about anybody who had written Star Wars up till this point, and then those that were going to write Star Wars in the future. Gotcha. And so. Um, it it just explores the deep lore of virtually every character featured in the the alien cantina scene, <laughs> right? So you remember from the first movie, from right. the first yeah, movie, yeah. you remember yeah. like Luke Skywalker goes in to Mos Eisley, and it's like you'll never find a a, a greater den of of uh, scum and villainy or whatever, right? Right? Obi Wan says, and they go into that bar. And, and the two there's guys all those pick a fight with yeah, there's all those weird dudes in the bar. Yeah. yeah, two dudes try to pick a fight with Luke. Greedo tries to shoot Han, and then like that's what's most memorable, yeah. right? It's and it's the first scene that we really get that I think shows us the diaspora, where there of are those of us aliens. that still
1: say Han shot first.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah of of course he should shot yeah. first. Yeah. yeah, as 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 he should have. Yeah, yeah, it was it was not even a question. Uh, it was, in fact, it was not a question when this book was written, because <laughs> like, the, the 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 remasters had never come out.
1: Right. Were, this was still before the remasters. This was before so, yep. the remasters. Yep. So
0: canonically, right? Han, Han, like, Greedo didn't even get a shot off. No. It's not just that Han shot first. Yeah. It's that Greedo just only. died. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Han shot only.
0: Han yeah. shot only. <laughs> so um, we get uh, we get. A look at every character, including Greedo. But when I say every character, I mean every goddamn character (laughs) in this fucking scene. It doesn't matter if they don't have lines, it doesn't matter if they're there for one second. That's enough to net you a story in this anthology.
1: You said there was a story about the
0: band? (laughs) There's a story about the band, and that one's by Kathy (laughs) Tires. And it's great. It's, it's, it's so great. It's like pulpy noir. Um, and the band like plays for Jabba and they decide to take a – the, the story is called We Don't Do Weddings. And so the, the band is working exclusively for Jabba. And one of Jabba's rivals is like, hey, you want to come play my – come play my uh, my wedding." And they're like, we don't do weddings. And they're like, well, we'll pay you a, a shit ton of money. And so they're like, okay, let's – all right. Let's do it. Let's go. And so they go uh, and they play the the, ba- the wedding uh, event. And then bounty hunters show up and kill everybody at the, at the wedding. And the band has to run out because they realize that like – job is pissed that they that they broke their <laughs> exclusive contract with him and so they're broke they're flat broke and they got to figure out how to get off the planet so they take a they take a shitty gig playing this shitty dive bar in the middle of Mos Eisley and that's how they end up playing the bar at in the scene when Luke comes in they're just trying to get enough money to get off planet because job is looking for him
1: that's hilarious it's
0: great It's so good. Um, And and like that's not even my favorite story of of the the group. My favorite story of the group is is one that stages Tatooine like the Wild West. And um, (laughs) it's got the human moisture farmers, right, which are like the settlers who come into the Wild West. And they're trying to like broker peace with the Tusken Raiders who are the Native Americans, right, of this Western landscape.
1: Which is almost how, like, um, well, the Mandalorian didn't spend a lot of time on Tatooine, but, like, Boba Fett almost kind of treated it.
0: Yeah, the Book of Boba Fett treats that, uh, like, straight up, right? Like, Book of Boba Fett, I think, does a lot more for indigenous people and indigenous representation, using the Tusken Raiders as um stand-ins as symbolic stand-ins for indigenous people. Right. And so this book does the same thing, right? Cool. This this short cool. story does the same thing. And as a result, it's it's beautiful because a lot of the whole point is like these moisture farmers, right? They're just poor people. They're just, you know, the immigrants that have come in to try to make a better place for themselves. Um, many of them didn't necessarily choose to end up on Tatooine, but they're there and they're trying to make it work. And they're also trying to recognize the legitimacy of claims to, like, the Dune Sea that um, the, Tat- the, the Tuscan Raiders make. Right, And so there's this effort to kind of, like, broker, negotiate peace. And one of the human moisture farmers is like, I wish to – um, go ahead and and like help you stake a claim, a legitimate land claim through the empire and through like the, the land claim process of imperial governance. Hmm. And the Imperials are like, no, because we're racist, obviously. Hmm. And so the Imperials actually come in and murder all of the Tuscan Raiders. Mm. They murder a bunch of Jawas. And they make it look like the Tusken Raiders murdered all of the Jawas, although it's obviously the Empire. And they do that specifically to divide the the, the indigenous peoples of Tatooine against each other so that the Empire can, can distract them and continue to conquer more land on Tatooine. Gotcha. It's now, great.
1: Now, didn't you say there was something um, – I don't think you've mentioned it yet – that ties like all these stories to – That scene in Star
0: Wars? Yeah. So the two things that always happen in every one of these stories. First, (laughs) uh, Dr. Avazin and Ponda Baba, the two characters who pick a fight with with, uh, Luke Skywalker, uh, get into a fucking fight. And I think it's Ponda Baba uh, gets his arm cut off. Right. That happens in every one of these stories. Like when Obi-Wan cuts his arm off, right? he's He sees yes, him exactly. about to kill Luke and then he comes with the Yeah, he comes in and, and he's like, he's like, you know, like, hey, we don't need a fight or whatever. And yeah. then they pull a blaster and, and the, the bartender is like, no blasters, no blasters. And uh, Obi-Wan just cuts his fucking arm off. Right. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Um, that happens every time. <laughs> every – all – however many stories are in here. It's like 14 stories or something. I don't even know. Uh, but every one of them. Like has that scene, and then also every one of these stories includes Greedo getting shot. It's like it's a it's like the punctuation for every sentence of this. It's like you have the fight with Luke, and then Greedo gets gibbed, and that's it, right? Like every story. And so while I loved the diversity of all of these stories because some of them are fucking weird and it's it's delightful because it's just diving into like what is Star Wars outside of the stupid Skywalker shit and outside of the stupid uh like like I don't know legacy of the force kind of you know bullshit um, it's like, what? well, what is Star Wars like without, you know, the, the new Republican, the Empire and all that stuff? And it's like it's just dudes trying to live their lives. And most of these dudes are just, you know, like they just happen to be at this bar at the same time of this like momentous occasion, right, where Greedo gets shot. Um, Greedo has a backstory, by the way, in this book, uh, which is great. <laughs> and it, it's basically Greedo is just a loser. That's it. That's the story. Um, But it's absolutely hilarious and also exhausting because as much as I loved it, I was like, do I have to read another three paragraphs about fucking Greedo getting shot? Like, I'm really tired of it. I get it. I get the picture.
1: I think I'd be looking for like the differences between the stories, like how like somebody may get a little detail wrong or different than what somebody else might write. Yeah.
0: No, surprisingly, it's all very (laughs) cohesive. And that's the other thing. It's like um, what happens in one story will show up in someone else's story. That's wild. And so it's like it's so tightly paced and and like just so tightly wound. So the continuity really, really works. And what's hilarious is that Kevin J. Anderson, who, of course, has a story in this anthology and he's written every other Star Wars book on the planet. Let's be real. (laughs) um, He's like super attentive to the detail. In in everything. So what happens in his story, which is about a Jawa who gets shot, the Jawa thinks he's Rambo, right? <laughs> and, and the Jawa like, like buys this giant gun and is like, I'm going to fuck up some Imperials because he's the one person who knows that all of his people have, have just been murdered by Imperials. Right? right, right. So he buys this gun and he, he's like super ready to go out and he's going to have his moment where he's just like, I am – I am wrath, right? And he he goes out to shoot these imperials, uh, but but somebody, a little rat man, stole the battery pack for his his gun, so he's got no ammo. So he has this glorious moment where he's, like, f- f- tw- framed by the twin sons of Tatooine. And he's, like, he, like, screeches in his, like, Jawa, Un-titty! and he's, like, I'm going to fuck you guys up. Um, and then, like, he, nothing happens. And in the Imperial tale, like the, the tale of one of the stormtroopers, the stormtroopers are just walking by, and they see this this Jawa jump up, and he's, like, um, and he's got this giant gun. And they just stare at each other for a couple seconds and then one of the other Imperials just shoots the Jawa dead. Um, it's wild. But that Jawa <laughs> – that Jawa shows up in another Kevin J. Anderson book and I just think it's fucking hilarious. I just think it's so great that the continuity is so tight. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So the next book is Showdown at Centerpoint. This is the last book of the Corellian Trilogy uh, by Robert M- Roger McBride Allen. Like yeah, the flop sweat off
1: the forehead. Thank
0: God we, yep. we got to it. <laughs> um, yeah, so this conclusion, uh, basically the cast of Star Wars take action in a race against time to stop an alien superweapon from destroying a star system <laughs> and its millions of inhabitants. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, Yeah, this is the most disappointing uh, conclusion to a trilogy ever. Um, A bunch of characters show up from uh, a previous book, from Kathy Tires' book. (laughs) Um, Basically, there were these uh, Bakurans, right, from the Truce at Bakura, the one with the the space velociraptors. You Mm -hmm. remember that? So um there's a princess from that planet that Luke kind of almost had a thing for, but she hates people who use the force. Um, and that's why they don't hook up is because she's like, your space religion sucks. And, and Luke's like, well, that doesn't get my dick hard anymore. Um, and, it, and it, you know, so they, they never really connect. Well, she shows up in this book. Uh-huh. And and she's got like a kid and she's been, you know, like married and, and her husband has already died or something like that. And Luke's sitting there like that could have been my child. <laughs> if only you didn't hate my space religion. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know what she's doing here. Well, to be honest, she she just shows up to die. You know what would have been poignant? Her kid has has the force. That would have been hilarious. That would have been great. I mean, you know what? Maybe that shows up later. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, we might uh, be jumping the gun on that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It, it, I haven't gotten to that book if it happens. <laughs> um, no, she she just shows up for Luke to be like, oh, we could have had it great. And then she fucking dies. Like, she just <laughs> dies. She gets blown up in a space <laughs> space battle. Um, yeah, it's a bummer of a book, man. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I do think that uh, McBride Allen does for The entire series, which I think is really interesting, is he gives actual personalities to the Solo children. Hmm. So there are three kids. There's Jason, Jaina, and Anakin, Solo. And uh, Jason and and Jaina are twins. And Anakin's, like, the youngest. And Anakin uh, has the ability to, like, use the Force on machines. Which was not a thing until you know, Children of the Jedi made it a thing, right? Uh, but Anakin just has like an intuitive way about things with machines, which mirrors a little bit of what Anakin Skywalker does in the the prequel movies, right? right? He builds, he builds three PO, he builds three PO, he builds his own uh, his own pod racer. Yep. Um, you know, so there's like this this notion that the Anakin's are really savvy with machines or whatever. Okay. Okay. And uh, and I think that's kind of interesting. So McBride Allen actually gives us real personalities for the solo children, uh, cool. which we hadn't really seen before. The only other time they have any anything resembling a personality is the Crystal Star, and they're really bland. Ah. yeah. Uh, but otherwise, it's just it's forgettable. It's just not interesting. The only interesting thing I thought was the callback to the Bakurins, but then they just kill them off. So it's like, who who the fuck cares? Gotcha. Just a waste, a waste of opportunity. Thrak and Sal Solo doesn't even turn out to be important to the grand plot at all. <laughs> it's like, why introduce Han Solo's cousin if, if none of it matters? Han Solo's cousin, Thrakken. Thrakken. <laughs> Han Solo with a beard. Uh, the last general audience book of 1995 was Darksaber. Uh. This one was written by Kevin J. Anderson, and if you recall, uh, back back in our previous episode, I was kind of down on Kevin J. Anderson because yeah. I was kind of like he can't write. Yeah, uh, listen, I am wrong, and, and I am I'm gonna I am gonna throw myself at the the altar of Kevin J. Anderson and say <laughs> I was I was wrong. Kevin J. Anderson actually probably gets Star Wars better than any of the other writers of Star Wars I've seen, except for maybe like Timothy Zahn. Oh well, wow. and um, as I I read this exceedingly long book, this book is 460 pages of of Star Wars. <laughs> um, as I read it, the, the more I read it, I was like, I, Kevin J. Anderson just just gets it in a way that nobody else gets it, and that's not to say that his stuff is like deeply profound, uh, you know. But it it's so Star Wars. It's he just understands like, the characters. Yes, it's the essence of Star Wars. That's so. Cool. This book has everything, right? Um, basically, it's a sequel to Children of the Jedi, okay? Um, in that it has like Callista and all that jazz, right? Uh, basically, the New Republic uncovers a new existential threat to the galaxy. Guess what it is? Guess what it is? A super weapon. It's a fucking super weapon. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, the re- the rise of an Imperial Armada, governed by a long lost admiral from before the collapse of the Empire, and a new super weapon under. The control of the Hut Cartel, this uh, week, right? So the of the Hut's cousin. What's, oh I don't know what it is about. I don't. I, I think they're cousins anyway. Uh, Jabba the Hut has a cousin who comes in, and uh, and and he's like, uh, I'm another Hut person, and I want the plans to the Death Star. <laughs> and so he gets the plans of the Death Star, and he gets he like kidnaps one of the Death Star's like like uh, engineers, like the designer <laughs> of the Death Star. And he says, "I want you to make me a space laser, but instead of it being a giant ball, I want it to be a giant tube." <laughs> and the guy's like, "I'll do it for you." And so they build this giant space laser that doesn't even work. So it's called the Dark Saver, uh, and it's it's just it's just a giant laser. It, it's like a laser pointer. If the laser pointer were, like, like a mile long.
1: I mean, a tube might be easier for the big
0: slug-like creature to get around in. Than, uh, yeah, maybe, a, yeah. A it's, just, it's a straight line, right? <laughs> there are no elevators. Um, yeah, it, Kevin J. Anderson weaves together two separate continuities, and this is what I think is really fun. He takes the Callista stuff from, from – uh, Children of the Jedi, mm-hmm. and so Luke is trying to figure out his relationship with with uh, Callista because it turns out that she's in this new body, right? But she can't use the Force anymore. Still the blonde, or is still it? the blonde? Okay. Still the blonde's body. That's it. That doesn't change, sadly. Um, so it's still the dead blonde's body, but it's inhabited by this different Force ghost. So she's kind of weakened at Bernie's.
2: Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah.
0: She's just the puppeteer of this new body or whatever. And Luke, every time Luke looks at her, he's like, I love you. And she's and, – and the whole time she's kind of like – she's looking at Luke. She's like, oh, Luke, you could do all these things, but I can't do those things because I'm a fucking necromancer. I don't have the agency of this body. Um yeah she she doesn't have the the connection to the force and they try to figure out like what's going on with her force powers. The only time she can reach the force is is uh by drinking from the dark side of the force. Oh. Shocker. Yeah. Um uh but see, he weaves that continuity he together. She should have filled up her
1: medichlorians. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. <laughs> she just needed a she she needs her booster shot of medichlorians. Um so while that's going on, uh, Kevin J. Anderson is also drawing from his Jedi Academy trilogy here. And so there's like this Admiral Dala. She's like the she's a, a remnant of the old empire. She was the like commander of um, the prototype Death Star. And she's been like trapped in. Uh, out in deep space for a long time. And then she comes back in the Jedi Academy trilogy. She was trained by Admiral Thrawn. Mm. And basically there's like this small remnant of the empire that they've just devolved into warlords. And they just go around and just like blow up an occasional planet so they can just like have good times, I guess. And she's like, you're fucking lame. You know, this, this, (laughs) this empire used to mean something. Um, And nobody believes her because she's a woman admiral and women don't serve in the empire.
1: And kudos for the name, by the way, Dala for a woman. Yeah. I mean, that's right up there with Porkins for that that one pilot.
0: It's it's D A A L A, but okay. sure, why not? We'll go with it. We'll go with it. Um, yeah, she she's basically like it's hilarious because she's like I don't want to be you know a general, but you know like you're all fucking idiots, and so she comes in and she kills all of the other warlords and she reunites the the fraction of the empire and she plans this really uh, awesome attack on um, the Jedi Temple and uh, the Jedi Temple. Um, comes under siege and then is protected not by Luke Skywalker, who's a little late to the party because he's out try he's trying to get his girlfriend more force powers, um, <laughs> and uh, but but uh, the the place is, is saved by Kip by Kip Durand. <laughs> oh, Kip! He back. shows, but yeah, he shows up again. Uh, he he's actually like, hey, he graduates.
2: <laughs> yeah, ha- hello. <laughs>
0: Remember that ski party? Um. Yeah, so Kip Durin shows up, and uh, and he's with Dorsk-81, who is like a – he's a Force-sensitive clone. He's from a race of clones. And um, basically they both graduate. They become Jedi Knights, and their first mission is to, like, go out and just, like, you know, protect the galaxy, I guess. <laughs> so they go to Dorsk-81's uh, home uh, and they hear some rumors that, you know, maybe there's some stuff going on in the deep core of the galaxy and they go and they spy on Admiral Dalla and that's when they discover like, oh shit, like she's coming. She's got, <laughs> she's going to come and blow up the Jedi temple. <laughs> and so they all go back to the Jedi temple and door skating One is like, I have to protect the Jedi Temple. That's my mission. Um, <laughs> and so he, he like siphons off the force power of everybody else in the temple. They all like give him his – their force power and he does the coolest fucking thing in the force I've ever seen. Um, there are like these t- like 19 uh, different um, star destroyers or whatever in in this the Yavin system and they're bombarding Yavin 4, the, the, the moon mm-hmm. where this academy is. And um, – And it's just terrible. They're just raining down fire from heaven or whatever. And Dorskate-1 summons all of the Force and fucking evaporates them. Just sends (laughs) all of these things sailing through space until they're like several days, like hyperspace days, um, away from the system. Wow. And and it's the coolest feat of the Force (laughs) I've ever seen. Of course, Dorskate-1 dies from it. Yeah, that's yeah. how it works. Um, and uh, but it, but it's awesome. And and so Kip has his moment where he's like, I'm a spy, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and he like figures out the plot, and, and then he goes and uh, with with Dorsk, and they they save the universe. Uh, and Luke never gets his girlfriend's powers back, uh, uh, so she Luke. dumps him. <laughs>
2: <Okay>. <laughs> she, she, she's like,
0: I I can't I can't I can't be. Uh, A hero without the force and I can't hang out with you if I'm constantly reminded that I'm missing something. Um, And so she she dumps him and she runs away. And uh, and it's so lame. But we revisit just about every fucking every fucking place in the Star Wars universe that we've seen before. We go to I believe we go to Tatooine for like five seconds. We go to Dagobah for five (laughs) seconds. We go to Hoth for a whole chapter. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, it's just, and Yavin, Yavin 4 is there. Um, it's just like a greatest hits of Star Wars. And if
1: this were based on Seinfeld, then Luke would be George Costanza. Oh yes. yeah.
0: Yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah. It, it, but it's but it it's, sounds good though. It's actually a lot of fun. I had so much more fun with Dark Darksaber than I thought I was. That's cool. Cause, c- t- cause to be honest, at this point in time in my reading cycle, cause, cause <laughs> Darksaber is like the last, the last book that comes out. Um, I was so burnt out on on these dumb Star Wars books, they're, and they're not. Nineteen ninety five was not a good crop for Star Wars, um, but. This one was a highlight. I absolutely loved it. And
1: given that there's 14 in the next, it might be a while before we jump back into the next episode. Oh, yeah, probably.
0: Let's talk junior novels. All right. Let's talk junior novels. We'll make these uh, somewhat quick because they are actually quicker books, right? They look shorter from the – They are way shorter. So um, a new series launched in 1995 um, called the Young Jedi Knights series. And it – I don't know how many books there are. I feel like there are like 12 or something like that. They ran from like 95 to like maybe 97, maybe 98, something like that. I think it was 97. They're written by Kevin J. Anderson and his wife, Rebecca Moesta. Um, And... uh, like, this is definitely the year of Kevin J. Anderson because he put together the, the tales of uh, most Eisley Cantina. He did right. Darksaber. He did three of these books. Yeah. <laughs> He's just cranking stuff out. <laughs> but in the first one of this series called The Heirs of the Force, um, basically the Organa Solo twins uh, make new friends and accidentally encounter an imperial loyalist stranded on the fourth moon of Yavin for the last 20 years. Ah, um, it's great. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Basically, the kids show up. They meet uh, Chewbacca. Chewbacca has a nephew named Lobacca. Uh, of course. Yeah. They call him Lowey.
1: Sure. Like you do. That's yeah. how you sh- – yeah.
0: any Wookiee name, you, sh- you just take whatever their first part is and you just E on the – I-E on the end. Yep. yep. I can't wait to meet uh, Howbacca. Howie? Yeah. Howie, yeah.
1: What about Fuckbacca?
0: Uh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah fucky. fucky. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Hair baka. <laughs> Harry. Hairy. Yeah. 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 yeah Puss baka. You. Pussy. Yeah. yeah. I got you. Got you. We, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's See, we could do this. We could write. We could write our own. Wait. We, we we just made up a bunch of <laughs> Lucasfilm. Pay us. Disney. Disney. We're right here. We're yeah. available. <laughs> Uh, no, this one's fun. Uh, cool. Basically, the the solo kids are tw- are teenagers now, and they they go to Yavin because they want to learn the Force, and so their uncle Luke starts teaching them the Force, uh, and they get it up to some hijinks, and they find um, they find an old uh, Imperial pilot who has crashed a Tie Fighter uh, twenty years prior at the Battle of Yavin.
2: Oh, okay. uh,
0: and so he's been there the whole time, and he's he's like. Angry, and he's still kind of hypnotized, and they feel a lot of sympathy for him because they realize he's just a dude. He's just a dude who had a job, and and he's been hypnotized to love the Empire. He's not even really that bad a dude, um, but he can't stand it, and so he he gets into a fight, um, and Han Solo nearly shoots him down in the Millennium Falcon, but he gets away. He like get he slips off to hyperspace, and that's kind of the end of the story. Okay. We pick up in Shadow Academy, the second book of the series, uh-huh. um, where the Organa Solo twins and their friend Chewbacca are kidnapped. Uh, their friend Chewbacca, I'm sorry, their friend Lobaca.
1: Oh, Lobaca. Lobaca
0: is kidnapped, uh, but they're kidnapped uh, by one of Luke Skywalker's former apprentices, a ben guy, Solo? a guy named Brachus. Brachus. Um Anyway, they're, they're uh, kidnapped by Brackus, um and forced into learning the dark side of the force. Um, has like a, a rival, um, Jedi Academy called the shadow Academy. And it's basically this giant spaceship with spikes on it. Cool. Um, yeah, as you do, Mm -hmm. anything evil is just got spikes on it. Right. 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 Um, yeah. So he, he brings the kids there and he tortures them into trying to like unleash their rage and, and, um, become evil Jedi.
1: So the Sith aren't Kanan yet, right? like or are they-
0: not re- well they are um because uh, uh, a lot named? of this a lot of the Sith stuff has been done in the comic books at okay. this point in time which I'm okay. not talking about because that's just – You don't want whole, to read the
1: comic books too? <laughs> I have read the comic books is
0: the thing. It's just there are so many of them. Um, we'd never get through an episode if I – We're going to have to do a separate update that's just Star Wars the comic books. Gotcha. Um, I have been reading them, but I, I don't want to talk about them. Uh, so there are actually Sith in the comic books, um, but you know here – They're just called Dark Jedi, right? Okay. Um, and the whole point is Brackus is working for somebody – Behind the scenes, somebody. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Behind the scenes, trying to raise a bunch of dark Jedi. Uh, anyway, remember a clone? Fucking, of course it is. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So anyway. Uh, they they Brack is, uh is kind of a jerk. He's like the the anti Luke Skywalker, where he he seems like he's really charming, but in reality, he's just an asshole. Gotcha. And um and they they finally make it away uh, from the the Shadow Academy with the help of Lando Calrissian, um which is really fun. I love <laughs> that all of the old characters are there. They're like they're a, a part of the story, um but kind of tangentially. And uh, or t- or as you would say, t- tangentially. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's 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 just a fun book. It's a it's a great little book. I really loved it.
1: So they got the legacy characters right. It's oh, like. yes,
0: I, yeah. absolutely. The thing that I think J.J. Uh, Abrams. We're yeah. Not naming names. The thing that Kevin <laughs> J. Anderson and, and his wife, uh, Rebecca Molesta, understand is uh, the legacy characters. Gotcha. They, they get them right every fucking time. Cool. Um, So then the the last of of, uh, those books to come out in 1995 was called The Lost Ones. Um, And in this one, the Solo twins worry about their old friend Zek, whose dealings with with Coruscant's upper crust leave him hungry for the power of the dark side of the force. Ah. Uh, This is great. They're on Coruscant. Uh, The Solo kids are, of course, they're kids of a princess who is also chief of state of the new galactic government. So they're like the – and their uncle's like the hero of the empire. So the the solo kids are just like the picture of privilege. And they have this friend, Zek, who's just like a street urchin. And they don't understand what Zek's life is like because of their privilege. Hmm. And so Zek is kind of like he has a bad time. He shows up for a dinner party and is embarrassed because he doesn't understand the rules of etiquette. He doesn't have fancy foods or fancy dinners served to him. He accidentally eats a bouquet of flowers like you do at a yeah. dinner party when you don't know what flowers are. And uh, And your name is Zek. And and your name is Zek. Yeah. yeah. Which is already a pretty sad name. <laughs> I'm sorry to all of the Zeks in the world.
1: Um, I mean it's one letter off from Zeke and Zeke's never been a <laughs> is like a, a great name. It's, a, it's like a
0: deep cut. Zeekshire <laughs> for Ezekiel, the one book of the Bible nobody ever reads. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so poor Zek, he just he just can't catch a break, you know, and 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 he feels so embarrassed even though, you know, his friends genuinely genuinely care for him. Uh, and so when he's kidnapped, by um Brackis. And and Brachus is like, Zek, you're force sensitive. And your stupid force sensitive friends didn't tell you that. I can teach you how to not be a loser. Mm. Like I can teach you how to level the playing field. Ah. Um, and and you and the other street urchins, the, 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 the gang, you know, of, of Coruscant's underbelly, uh, you can become Dark Jedi and serve the Empire. And we're you know, we're <laughs> We're populists, man. We're just here to, like, you know, like replace, you know, kind of like a common order to things. Um, and Zek's like, that sounds fucking great, man. Sign me up. I want to be a Nazi. Um, and, and yeah. And, and so he goes off and he, he uh, goes to the dark side and the solo kids are like, oh, man, we got to get Zek back. Um, it's it's actually very thoughtful. It's very meaningful. And I think it does way more uh, to kind of interrogate like issues of privilege and, and talk about like, you know, kind of the space politics of Star Wars than the fucking Corellian trilogy did. Hmm. Um, and I, I really thought that was interesting that the youth novels are like like three for three amazing. Wow. That's good. Uh, and then the last book uh, of 1996 was called The Golden Globe. This one uh, belongs to – Super short. Yeah, it's super short. It's like a novella. It's, it's like a kids. It's a real kids book. Gotcha. Um, although it's a, it's just classified as a junior novel, right? Sure. Um, yeah, and, and this one belongs to the Junior Jedi Knights series. This one's written by Nancy Richardson. Basically, Anakin Solo teams up with a new friend at Luke's Jedi Academy, and they embark on a mysterious adventure. I have nothing to say about this book because Sounds very it's
1: very Hardy Boys. It's
0: not a story. It is very Hardy Boys. Basically, gotcha. Anakin has bad dreams with his friend, whose name escapes me because I've already forgotten this book. <laughs> um, she, he, and her, his friend, they have bad dreams together, and they're like, "What's the source of our bad dreams? We have got to find out." So they run off in Yavin Four because, again, this takes place in Luke's uh, Jedi Jedi Academy, right? Sure. And they run off on in Yavin Four. They encounter this this weird uh a uh, relic of the force or whatever that's got like a little monkey in trapped in it or something i don't know <laughs> i don't know what's going on um but they find this big golden globe uh which is not an award it's it's just literally a big giant golden globe and uh and they're like oh there's a mystery there and the book fucking ends it's it i just don't know what is going on in this book it's it was really boring it was so repetitive it, every chapter was just them reliving the dream and being what's the dream i don't know let's go to sleep what's the dream i don't know let's go to sleep <laughs> and just like like four times and then and then the book's over all right that's it that's the star wars journey that's the star, that's so what did we learn what did we learn This is the hardest part of the episode, is the wrap
1: (laughs) You read a lot of Star Wars. I read a lot of Star Wars. That's what I I learned.
0: All right. So here's what I learned about Star Wars in 1995, right? Um, This was a literary experiment, like we talked about. Right. To try to put together, like, revitalize Mm -hmm. an interest in Star Wars. And this reeks of, like, just corporate bullshit. Yeah. Um, And that's that's the essential like like kind of through line for a lot of these books. Many of these books just feel like they're cranked out to be cranked out. And yet there are these beautiful moments where it's actually like approaching being about something like Ambush at Corellia starts off. So great. It sounded like it had a good premise. It's a great premise. I love the premise. I wonder if
1: Lucas, if he like passed this idea to Lucas and Lucas was just like poo-pooing it. I don't
0: think Lucas was all that involved, honestly. I think what happened was um, there was a, a strong draft for one book that ends up being, you know, needing to be three books long. And so in the drafting process of trying to flesh this stuff out, you just lose the through line. Yeah. And the the stuff that was most interesting, I don't – I sadly, I don't think that was the thesis for what McBride Allen was going for. Mm-hmm. I think that it was just a happenstance that he tripped over something really amazing in that first book. But because that wasn't the thesis statement, because that wasn't the thing he was exploring through right. these books, it ends up just sucking.
1: He was going for something a lot more superficial it sounds like and – yeah and, just, and, and yeah. He, he really missed yeah it sounds like he missed the mark on it and,
0: and I think to to McBride Allen's uh credit right like cuz he did come up with something that is really compelling and really good in that first book i think that his editors let him down uh, because yeah. by not really you know kind of thinking about well this is where it's really most interesting right um, by not pursuing that, I think they really let the entire trilogy down. And, and I know that these things were developed very quickly, right? Everything was really on a fast pace. If you're Kevin J. Anderson cranking out five books this fucking year, right? Like <laughs> everything's kind of at a fast pace. Yeah. And yet, again, there are these little moments where it's so clear that these individual authors can have – Something unique to say about Star Wars, using Star Wars as a metaphor to explore real questions. I think back on that story, the Western story, right, yeah. um, that I talked about. I think about um, some of the stuff that Kevin J. Anderson was doing in Dark Saber, right. which I think is really fun. Um, there's just this constant question of like, you know, you know what, what what's the role of a mother to her kids when you're chief of state, right? You know, and and um, yeah, just, just other stuff like the relationship between Luke and Callista, which I think is uh, r- really <laughs> fucking gross, right? Um, I really think that that relationship is icky. And yet uh, Kevin J. Anderson really digs into like, you know, what's the friction here? Because Luke and Callista can't. Talk to each other on the same level, right? And I think that's really interesting. Digging into the strife of a, a relationship, you well, know, the, between and the kids'
1: novels people. seem like they're a lot stronger the, too. Oh, and the
0: kids' novels are brilliant. You know, every one of those kid novels um, has you know some concept that they're digging for. You know, the first one is about forging friendships and having empathy for someone who does not have empathy for you. Okay. The second one is all about, like, taking responsibility for yourself and not allowing your ambition to, to um, blind you, you know, to the dangers of power. And then the third book is all about examining your privilege and the way that your p- privilege can kind of blind you to the troubles of other people. Yeah. So it's all surrounded, you know, kind of wrapped up in this message of empathy. And I think that this is when Star Wars is the best When Star Wars is really trying to look at the human condition and say it doesn't matter if it's now or a a time long, long ago or if it's here or in a galaxy far, far away, right? It it doesn't seem to matter because it's all about human condition. It's all about how we relate to one another. It's all about what you know, what what does humanity look like when we take to the stars and how can there be adventure both interesting and fulfilling and yet still reminiscent of our very human problems?
1: And, you know, to to, to work off of that for a second, which editors won't let you down and who will show you empathy? <laughs> Your sleigh house editors.
0: Uh, that's a good pitch. That's a really good uh, uh, yeah, segue. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's right. Um. Man, this has been a great episode. This has been a long. I mean, not too. Hey, I mean, long these are space. always yeah. going to be long. Yeah, they are. Uh,
0: be but, yeah. but I hope to. I, I try to keep them interesting. I try oh, to yeah. keep them entertaining. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Um, and I try to to you know give us something to to look forward to. Yeah. You know what I'm really looking forward to right now? What's that? Tales of Sleigh House 2022.
1: I cannot wait for the for people to read this. I think it's going to be phenomenal. I think
0: it's re- it's going to be a lot of fun. We've had so many different. Um, uh, uh, different submissions over this submissions period mm-hmm. um, if you if you missed it just a couple weeks ago we released uh, you train by yeah. Casey Griffin It's it, blowing up it's blow it's, it's it's on pace to become our most listened to episode.
1: I think it's safe for me to go ahead and say, we definitely have one more contest winner that we are going to do, but expect more of these
0: radio dramas from Slayhouse. Yeah, like, wait, this
1: was fun and it was creative and it was I feel like this is something we're going to get into more.
0: Yeah. And, not only that, but I really have to throw out there like thank you to the listeners who have supported us. Yes. And and if if you tuned in for the first time for that episode, thank you for tuning in for that episode. If this is your first episode listening to us, um <laughs> hey, there's another one that you can listen to from last year, uh, but thanks for supporting us and yes. and really the support that we saw, especially um, after producing Casey Griffin's story, yeah. um, was was just amazing. I, I had a lot of people reach out to me either via social media or just text me personally to say that they listened to it and they loved it.
1: Me too, me too, and um,
0: and that that makes me feel very proud, and it also is just. Um, uh, just that outpouring of support for us is awesome. You'll find her story, her short story, in Tales of Slayhouse 2022. So if you want a copy, you definitely need to watch out and pre order that as soon as we have pre orders available. It's
1: pre order right now. It's, uh, they're available. Oh, right. they can. All of our upcoming titles are available for, available for pre order on our website right now. At, at
0: slayhouse.com. At slayhouse.com. Yeah.
1: I mean, if they found the podcast, I hope they can spill slave. Uh, well, you know,
0: i I suspect I suspect that people actually find our podcast more by searching for Star Wars. Oddly, oh uh, yeah, yeah, uh, because we we had a huge spike with with Star Wars Update uh, nineteen ninety five. Yeah, and and now I, I'm anticipating another huge, uh, you know, burst of interest from ninety six. Well, we
1: saw good numbers too with the uh, the deep dive for Dracula. So we, we did. They could as also well. search for uh, us through Dracula but, or something. But I so. think
0: it's awesome that, that Casey Griffins uh, is is. Like yeah. on track to become our most listened to episode to date. Yep. Absolutely. Um, it's super, super exciting. We've got another novel coming out, though, yeah. through Sleigh House. Tell us about this novel.
1: So, uh, well, we've – let's see. By the time this airs, the novel's cover will have just been released. So um, – yeah. It'll so, reach out or to us on, or, or yeah. check
0: out social media. I yeah. mean, we're going to blast everywhere. But uh, Joe Taylor on.
1: is the head of creative writing at Western uh, Western Georgia University, I think. Um, and I, I need to double check. That. <laughs> I believe he is. <laughs> he wrote this book. It's a comedic uh, fantasy, like contemporary fantasy. Yeah, book. It,
0: it, it reminds me a lot of uh, Terry Pratchett or, or even Neil Gaiman. Yeah,
1: it's very, very Pratchett or gaiman esque And yeah. and the cover is phenomenal. <laughs>
0: like, the cover is great. It's... Again, it's <laughs> I feel like uh the, the cover really captures that kind of Pratchett slash Gaiman-esque kind of uh yeah. humor uh, kind of vibe.
1: One of our studio guys was I showed him the cover and he's like looking at it, he's like, my God, I could just like stare at this all day. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I don't know. I've there's a really good description of it, I think, on the website. Um that I think is up. I I feel like it's it's going to be a fun fun novel. It's yeah. uh it's available for pre order. It's going to uh, come out this September. That one's called Bad Form. Bad Form by, by Joe, Joe Taylor. Taylor. Yep. And then we've got a couple more novels coming out. Sean Edward is coming out with the Cartography Door. We've got uh, uh, JB McLaurin coming out with um, Black Echoes. So we've got some more stuff coming right. out even next year and. Yeah.
0: And, and we just had a couple of releases too, you know. If, yeah, pick up Mel Pominy's Garden. Mel Pominy's Garden Hill. by Curtis Harrell. It's a, a collection of his shorter fiction, um, all really interesting, cerebral stuff. Yep. Uh, it's got a good mix of of kind of um, some folk horror. I call it folk horror. Yeah. Um, I know it's uh, sometimes compared to like the Southern Gothic, but to me, I yeah. think it's it's much more rooted in in common folklore. And especially this kind of regional folklore than uh, than anything else, and it's it's really interesting. It's very. What's fun
1: about Curtis, if if you are into this sort of thing, if you're a literary kind of nut, kind of like I am, um, he is very much a. I mean, there's a lot of his poetry in there. A lot of his published poetry. He is such a poet that he writes at the sentence level. Yeah, and his prose is beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yep. it really is beautiful. Um and I I really encourage you go reach out uh, uh find Milpomene's Garden. It, he's also got um the story Milpomene's Garden appears in Tales, Tales of, of Slayhouse House uh, 2021. Yep. So e- even if you're not sure if you want to commit to that, maybe you want to commit to a bunch of stuff and uh, Tales of Slayhouse House 2021 is is definitely the way to go. Yep. Um we, we also t- – t- for those of you who tuned in because you're here for the science fiction and not necessarily the other stuff, uh, we have a science fiction novel out. We
1: tagged – we grabbed Ground Control. Uh, we by, snagged yeah, it. Yeah, by uh,
0: uh, K.A. Huff. She was
1: our first interview. Um.
0: I believe she that's right. Was, she yeah, was. She yeah. Was. Uh, and we had made the uh, comment on the interview yeah, that, I man,
1: I wish was. we'd have published it, and then lo and behold, it fell in our lap. Yeah,
0: we, we, we happened to get the rise to it. So. Um, I, I <laughs> love the book. I, I know I said it on her interview. Go mm-hmm. back. You can just search through while you're here. Search through to find uh, K.A. Huff's interview. Yep. Um, but I love the – I mentioned I love the novel. I, do I love it more do now too. that it's – Got this sick cover on it, yeah. um, and uh, I mean the previous cover was also awesome, but yeah. uh, this cover is re- is really slick, and um, and it's it's just such a great novel. It, it really is kind of the best of um, just human, uh, you know, science fiction, uh, yeah. speculative fiction, um, really grounded in characters, and and it's it's a lovely novel. It really is great.
1: And we are working on with uh, the Wayne Howard who does our podcast and stuff. We are working on book trailers and we've got a couple of really sweet yeah, book trailers out now Um one for for my book The Mindful of Scorpions yeah. um, and uh, one for Ground Control and we're going to be doing book trailers for each of these upcoming books That's as right. well too
0: and yeah I in just. terms of other content coming uh, we've got the summer of universal horror continues yep. uh fortunately my voice is feeling better <laughs> uh, so I'll actually be able to, to jump in uh, for our, our next episode which i think is actually going to be Frankenstein yep Frankenstein um, we're gonna talk Frankenstein uh w- eventually we'll get to some of the others like uh invisible man and and, uh, and wolf, wolf man, man mummy the mummy yeah uh, uh, my personal favorite creature from the black lagoon yep um, and and uh, and also on the horizon we've got some uh, author interviews coming up our yep. next author interview is going to be with brian mccauley he's written a really fun novel called uh, curse of the reaper that's coming out in october yep can't wait to talk to him can't wait for you to listen to us talking to him because he is uh he's a real cool <laughs> cool guy i'm really excited about it
1: we have a lot of stuff in store for you guys so as always you can find us on social media um at Slayhouse and at Slayhouse Litbit uh, on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Reddit. We want to welcome. We should welcome again, um, Madison yeah. and Evine.
0: We are. Uh, we continue to grow. We do. And they I, are marketing. I think that's so awesome that um, we get to work with uh, so many interesting people. And uh, yeah,
1: they're they're going to help us with marketing uh, for, through social media. And they are also uh, Madison. I think is going to lend her voice along with Natalie, who has joined us. Um, and doing yeah. some of these radio dramas. so Yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. So big, things, big in, things on the wing for uh, Slayhouse Publishing. I really hope that you continue to tune in. And thank you so much, whether you're a Patreon supporter, whether you're just a, a weekly listener, whether this is your first time tuning in for us. Uh, thank you so much. And for if your you're
1: support. not. Find us at Patreon at patreon.com slash Publishing. So you can go in there and you can listen to exclusive content. You can get merch um, at different tiers. We have different merch for all different tiers. And you can get in as little as like three bucks and and get everything. Yeah, that's right. All All right. right. That's a wrap. That's it.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Slayhouse Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios.